It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is Shirley Souter. She's a dietitian who studied nutrition and dietetics at Penn State, where she received her degree, and she's quite an accomplished athlete as well. She was a high school state champion in swimming and uh, took her talents to Penn State for four years, and uh, she captained that team, the swimmer in junior and senior years of college. We'll talk about her athletic career, but we're going to talk about nutrition and also a biblical dimension to nutrition as well. I'd like to welcome Shirley Souter to Bless the Play. Shirley, welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to talk with you, Ron. Well, before we get into the nutrition side of it, let's let's talk about your athletic career. And uh, it sounds like you were burning quite a bit of calories growing up uh, in swimming. But the love for swimming, how did that come about? Well, I'm the youngest of five. And in our little town, college town in western Massachusetts, uh, we happen to have pretty good swimming program. So most families with large uh, numbers of children would join the swim team because everybody could participate and, you know, show up at the same meet. And so being the youngest of five, I started swimming probably when I was four or five years old. And I liked it enough and was successful enough to keep, keep going through high school and college. So you performed adequately and quite well in high school, being a state champion, and you decided to go to Penn State and swim for the Nittany Lions. Talk about that decision. And uh, I know Penn State is a huge school athletically, and you you had some great rivals of like Ohio State, Pitt, uh, some of the Ivy League schools. But just talk about the process going to Penn State University. So no one I had known uh, in high school went on to Penn State. It was whole new territory for me, but I really wanted to branch out. I did do a few other trips more close to New England and New Jersey, uh, did some recruiting trips. But um, my trip to Penn State was a big leap for me and really uh, eye-opening experience. So I decided to take the big jump from a small pond in western Massachusetts to a big pond (laughs) at Penn State. And in fact, when I first got there, I... I was crying in my goggles a little bit because I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Because I was a small fish in a big pond. All <laughs> well, I chuckle because I remember my college baseball coach says, Meyer, you were a uh, big fish in a lake and now you're a minnow in an ocean. <laughs> I'll, I'll always remember that. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to say it. You know, so when nutrition has involved so much, especially uh, with uh, just modern day sports, even at the high school level, even collegiate, obviously at the pro level, but was nutrition part of the formula when you were swimming competitively at Penn State, watching what you eat, watching what you put into your body? Well, I had developed a bit of a nutrition interest when my grandmother moved in with us when I was in, let's say, junior high school or middle school. Um, she had diabetes, and I kind of watched firsthand how nutrition can help keep someone healthier or um, harm their situation. So I went to Penn State kind of thinking about nutrition, and Penn State happens to have a very good 
nutrition program. So the first couple years is all basic sciences, and we all put on the freshman 10, 15, whatever, and we were getting weighed. And so nutrition was kind of a thing, but more in a... uh, being weighed in was sort of more of a um, behavioral, like a negative behavioral thing. So once I got into my junior and senior year classes in the thick of nutrition, I think I helped myself and my teammates quite a bit by understanding, you know, what were we eating in the dining halls Mm -hmm. that was causing us to keep weight on, even though we were swimming 10,000 yards a day. So, um, it evolved during my college years, I think, the, for us and our team at, nutrition, um, at Penn State. That so, nutrition became a more positive, let's try to eat healthy things mm-hmm. um, and get our, our weight will naturally settle where it's strong and healthy. So this whole propensity for you to study nutrition and dietetics was you were inspired by your grandmother's diabetes. And, and you saw the, the negative effects, obviously, that she had with the battle with diabetes, and uh, I'm not sure what was known at that time in treating it, but uh, this kind of propelled you to be more concerned about nutrition. Yes, yes, and I did study uh, and help other organizations with sports nutrition when I first got out. Um, Then my career evolved mostly to helping people with diabetes or just wellness. Right now I'm really more of a wellness health advisor, um, with a balance between mind, body, spirit. So we do focus on nutrition, but I leave the sports nutrition expertise kind of to the younger dietitians who mm-hmm. are fresher out of school and, um, you know, more active on social media, things like that. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Shirley Souter. She was an accomplished swimmer at Penn State University and studied nutrition and dietetics at the same school. And now she's uh, employed doing that and, and works with a number of different of groups of people to, uh, you know, make themselves more healthy through nu- nutrition. And, and Shirley, that brings up the point. I mean, you're working with various groups of people. I, I remember that the, the food pyramid was kind of the, the benchmark for how you should eat, but I think that has been debunked. <laughs> but uh, uh, would you say there's a one, a one way of eating that's nutritious or just a dietary plan, or do you have to, do you have to cater it to yourself based on your needs? Well, definitely the pyramid's been replaced by a plate method. My, myplate.gov is a good resource for people to go to Mm -hmm. um, for all stages of life. And basic, the biggest change from American plates to what myplate.gov suggests is that half your plate be filled with vegetables. And almost any fad diet you come upon um, will incorporate vegetables, especially non-starchy vegetables. So um, if there's anything magical, it's that you get enough fluid and vegetables um, and then a balance of proteins, whole grains, fruits, nuts, seeds. So dietitians are, by profession, food people, and not necessarily just, you know, shakes or supplement people. So we try to make mm-hmm. sure that people are able to get and consume and enjoy plenty of vegetables. So I think that's sort of the silver bullet of nutrition is 
is vegetables. We've got to squeeze them in here and there and every, everywhere. Yeah, such a simple piece of advice, but, you know, very meaningful, of course. And the socioeconomic realities, you know, I'm thinking when you're trying to eat healthy, it's actually more expensive. I'm thinking about organic uh, type of fruits and vegetables even. And I'm thinking about just foods with all the preservatives just to have a longer shelf life. How does one get beyond that and still eat a healthy diet? Yeah, it's such a challenge. Again, it's a balancing act between, you know, uh, su- supporting the organic industry so that, that those things are less expensive for everyone to enjoy, um, making sure that you um, try to buy local and aren't spending a ton of money on, you know, the transportation of a certain food from Peru or, you know, Nicaragua We um, eating more local mm-hmm. uh, can can help bring the cost down um, and obtaining things when they're in season and kind of freezing them or, or preserving them or making them into things that you can freeze. Uh, but it is a challenge to balance, you know, optimal nutrition with socioeconomic um, disparities that we have. I, I'm blessed to work for a faith-based um, health system, and we're paying very much attention to health disparities. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of my clients, I've seen it firsthand, and um, also the mental health aspect going on. So the balance of mind, body, and spirit, which we'll talk about in the second half, um, is always something that's going to modify how each person can achieve their health goals. Yeah, for sure. And also there's cultural challenges as well. And uh, I see that you were raised in Irish and Italian heritage, and uh, I'm, I'm three-quarters Italian and very pasta-heavy, very carb-heavy. <laughs> and, uh, how do you eat healthy despite the culture that you're in? I guess there's a way to do it, but there's certain challenges, wouldn't you say? Yes, to eat American-Italian would be very challenging. But to eat actual, really Italian, Mediterranean type of uh-huh. food, yes, you do have the pasta, but you will have plenty of vegetables on your plate, and you'll have small amounts of protein, but, you know, healthy sources, and lots of olive oil. That's a huge part of the Mediterranean lifestyle. I'm sorry about the barking. Uh, if a healthy dog in the background, that's good, and uh, probably feeding it the proper food and sounds sounds like a, a really healthy bark. But I want to ask you, you uh, obviously come from a very athletic family. Even your current family, your your husband was a football player at Penn State. Your uh, your son's a major league baseball pitcher. So you did something right as far as they're you know keeping them healthy and uh, very good athletes. Uh, so were you the type of mom who's always pressing eat your vegetables at every at every meal or especially dinner? Well, I felt the dinner meal was always important, and yes, I tried to have a balanced plate, but, you know, my kids ate other stuff like everyone else, and again, that's a balance of mostly healthy, but if you restrict something entirely, Uh a kid's probably going to, you know, that plan's probably going to backfire on you, and then they'll they'll want nothing but sugar, so um, (laughs) again, a, a healthy balance of working some stuff in, occasionally having a soda, but, you know, not having it in the house as a regular thing. Right. And, you know, occasionally having birthday cake, but not having cakes and cookies every day. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice, yeah. We definitely need to heed that. 
So what is your most rewarding part of your work? I think you're working with a number of different uh, type of people who have different infirmities or are just looking to just get healthy. What rewards you the most about the work you're doing as a dietitian? What's been rewarding for me lately, Ron, is uh, especially through the pandemic, is helping people acknowledge that stress affects their blood chemistry mm-hmm. and also affects their decision making um, about whether they're going to go out for a walk or not, whether they're going to choose uh, alcohol or not, whether they're going to, you know, prepare their meal or just stand at the refrigerator eating things uh, mindlessly. So I've been a dietitian for 37 years, but my last 10 years or so have been focusing on not just food choices, but what's affecting your behavior? Um, are, Are you taking your medicines? How's your physical activity? And really important, how is stress, anxiety, mental health situation affecting your ability to reach the goals we talk about. So I'm really satisfied when I hear someone say, I never thought of that before. Mm-hmm. I know I stress eat, but I never thought about um, that the stress was actually telling my body to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, the whole cortisol effect when your body wants to fight or flight from stress, but you're sitting there looking at a computer or talking on the phone with somebody that you can't run away from or fight. Um, and so I, I think it's really important for people to put that to gain a knowledge of what their body, what happens to their body when they're stressed and what they've tended to do in the past and what they could do, which would be more healthy to, and athletes can do this better than anybody because they, um, have learned how to breathe and calm themselves down and get ready for things and, and self-talk, saying, I've been prepared for this, my body's prepared. Um, but other people who haven't enjoyed athletics as much, they, they don't have a, as good a sense of how to calm themselves down and how to react to that stress response. Yeah. Probably not the answer you were thinking I was going to give. Yeah, that's a great answer and great insight into that. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about moderation in food and drink, biblical foods, uh, talk about gluttony and drunkenness, no, 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 and in general, a healthy balance of fluid, protein, carbohydrates, fat, fiber, nutrients, good, 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 more with Shirley Souter. Keep it right here. You're listening to Blessed to Play. This is Sister Gianna from the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, Nashville, Tennessee. We pray simply because that's the fulfillment of our soul, of our greatest desires, and ultimately our vocation to be one with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we thank you for the profound gift of life, for our very existence that we receive from my parents. We ask that you would continue to bless those who walk in the world, who are held in the world, and who are leaving our world in whatever age they are. And we particularly ask that you would allow those in the womb the gift of being in the world and knowing you and your personal love. 
and that you would be with our mothers and their fathers as they strive to raise them with love and profound goodness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. EWTN Radio is seeking a dynamic radio producer to join the EWTN Radio team in Irondale, Alabama. The right candidate will be a passionate, multi-skilled, talented professional who can manage and direct all aspects of producing world-class radio broadcasts and play an integral part in Mother Angelica's mission. If this is you or someone you know, email a resume and cover letter including salary requirements to humanresources at EWTN.com. More to life. Women of Grace. Take two with Jerry and Debbie. No one does Catholic radio like EWTN. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. My guest today is Shirley Souter. She was an accomplished athlete in college where she swam for the Nittany Lions at Penn State for four years and, uh, then studied nutrition and dietetics, and that's her job. She's a dietitian, and she's helped a number of people to really get on par with a certain dietary program to better their lives, uh, have a more healthy life. And she's a faithful Catholic. Actually, she was raised as an Irish and Italian heritage, so very culturally Catholic as well in that heritage. And uh, we're going to talk, about, have a little faith discussion here about biblical foods and and surely, I, I, you know, the, the Bible tells us about gluttony and drunkenness, that it's uh, not good, but moderation is good, so we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but talk about biblical foods and also some of the vices that could counteract uh, some of the nutritional benefits of biblical foods. Sure. So, um, too much of a good thing can kind of be too much of a good thing. That's the, the uh, drunkenness and gluttony. Um, but you can look in the Bible throughout the Bible, and there's all kinds of specifics, fruits and nuts, vegetables and legumes or beans, grains, various grains, uh, different fish, different meats, dairy products. There's a wide variety of biblical foods that if we say, um, yeah, I think I'd like to get more to a, a, an old-fashioned, wholesome uh, meal plan. Well, you could make a goal for yourself of um, I'm going to explore the foods that have been around for millennia and try to make sure I eat some of those. I always like to work with people with nutrition by addition. So um, adding some things in that they haven't had before. Again, if it's local and not wrapped in a ton of plastic, that would be great, um, you know, to protect the planet and follow Catholic social teaching in those ways. Um, but instead of, you know, having to go restricted like dry January every year, um, you know, figure out, okay, yep, Jesus had wine. People in biblical times had wine. But how much wine is too much for me? How much wine makes me make bad choices or say something stupid or, you know, um, on the couch instead of getting out for a, a walk in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wide variety you can choose from, if you go with, you know, biblical foods first, can be really fun and interesting. Like dates, for instance, or figs. Those are wonderful foods that we don't really, you know, participate in a whole lot in America. 
uh, although they're grown here and we can get them at certain times of the year. And also during biblical times, obviously there was no cars, so they did a lot of walking. And so I think you would agree that exercise is a great uh, complement to what you just mentioned on the dietary front. Absolutely. Mind, body, spirit. So exercise and food and nutrition, um, you know, informing yourself, being mindful of what your health habits are and what you want to change. And then spirituality, ask for help from God, pray every day. You know, keep that. If we nourish all three of those things, we're going to be in good balance. If we are only a mind person who just studies and um, looks at their phone all day, uh, the body and the spirit are going to shrivel up a little bit. Now, you're a faithful Catholic, a very uh, devout Catholic, and uh, fasting is part of the, the Catholic tradition, especially during Lent. And I'm sure it has some physical benefits as well. Why don't you talk about fasting and that cleansing of the body, uh, not only the, uh, the physical part of it, but also the spiritual component of fasting as well? Sure. I love Lent for that reason. Um, yes, there's a physical um, aspect of maybe fasting from food, but also just, you know, giving your body a rest from doing that, uh, from having to metabolize or even think about it. Um, I fast on Fridays every day of every Friday of the year, and I find that it nourishes my prayer life. It reminds me of why I'm doing it, not just because it's a discipline, but because Jesus fasted, Mm-hmm. And we used to fast every Friday, right, from meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, interesting, a couple of days ago, there was a uh, daily reading. I, I do the daily readings every day in the morning and usually listen to a gospel reflection or read a gospel reflection. And the Daniel um, reading came up about for 10 days doing vegetables and water, and those guys were in better shape than the other people who were drinking and eating, you know, maybe perhaps more gluttonous, rich food. Um, So I suppose if somebody wants to try something like that for 10 days, Mm -hmm. you know, and learn from that experience, that's great. And learn from what your Lenten fast. I think that's wonderful. Um, Or even learn from fasting, you know, from 6 o'clock at night till the next morning give your body a rest because it's usually in the evening that we pile on maybe the empty calories and the things that, you know, aren't nourishing our bodies that well, and we're not burning it off in the evening. So, um, yeah, I'm all for people giving things a try temporarily, Mm -hmm. but not as a lifelong, um, practice. Like I wouldn't want people to just eat vegetables and water for the rest of their life. usually probably would run into some nutritional deficiencies. Yeah, and also check it out with your physician if you have an ailment and you want to make some dietary changes. But I realize that in the health and fitness world nowadays, intermittent fasting is becoming a popular trend. More and more people are doing this, having that window where they don't eat and then they have a small window where they do eat. And some have latched on to that way of uh, nutritional guidance and and fasting. But I I want to ask you, and this is something that's curious in my mind as well, uh, many of us uh, eat out. Uh, Sometimes we eat out more than we eat in. And uh, going to a restaurant presents certain challenges about how to eat healthy. So what are the red flags when you go to a restaurant and what, what can we choose on the menu that, you know, is nutritious but also enjoyable to eat? 
Yeah. Uh, What's wonderful about eating out is you get to choose exactly what you want and your mind gets ready for the food that you're about to have. So it's a, a more of a process than maybe if you're just sitting down at home and grabbing haphazardly. And it's also you're usually going out to eat with other people. So mm-hmm. there's that social aspect, which is so important about uh, and part of that Mediterranean lifestyle to, you know, spend time together mm-hmm. while you're eating, yes, but also in conversation. Um, generally, the add-ons are going to be the the problem. Generally, you can order a pretty healthy, balanced meal with some protein, some carb for energy, and some vegetables. Um, but generally, the add-ons, like the appetizers, the rolls with butter, <laughs> you know, and the desserts and the alcohol. That's, those add-ons are what's going to probably get some people in trouble if they eat out often. Now, if it's an occasional thing and uh, very much a celebration, sure, you can work that in. But on an everyday basis or an every week basis, you wouldn't want to get an appetizer, have the roll with, you know, white roll with butter, have a couple of drinks and dessert. That would be... Um, the opposite of fasting in your body, that would be gluttony. <laughs> I'm thinking about the buffets too out there. There's so many buffets out in our society that uh, the marketing part of it, just encouraging people to eat more and more and more, that supersize me type of mentality is very dangerous. So it's good to be cognizant of some of the uh, the pitfalls out there where businesses are actually marketing to you to eat more and maybe not eat as healthy. Absolutely. And it's gotten really expensive. I mean, food has gotten expensive. So, you know, people have to maybe take a step back and and plan out what they're going to do a little bit more, um, how they're going to get their nutrition in and and keep their pantry full so that they're not, you know, headed out to the buffet and fall prey to the marketing quite the same way they used to. Well, Shirley Souter has been our guest. Uh, some great insight in the world of nutrition and uh, from a biblical perspective as well, how we could eat healthy, balance in moderation and, uh, you know, make some good choices because we have to be good stewards of our body here on earth and uh, maybe uh, elongate our lifespan too if we uh, make some good choices. Shirley, thanks so much for the time and for the insight that you gave us today on nutrition. And uh, we appreciate you coming on Blessed to Play. Thanks so much. You're welcome. I hope it helps somebody. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed2play.com. You can like us on Facebook. Hit us up on the platform X at Blessed to Play. For Shirley Souter, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.